Welcome back to Freelancing Dads. Today we're going to discuss a topic that many dads are constantly worrying about and it's always on their mind, how they can provide a house for their growing family. How do you purchase a house when you're freelancing, when you're self-employed? What does it take? And how can you possibly afford a house in today's crazy market? I'm going to share with you all the lessons I've learned in my journey in buying a house for my family so that you can be more prepared and more confident going into this goal that you very likely have, unless you already have a house. If you already have a house and you bought it you know, a couple of years ago, then great. Um, you've learned some lessons yourself. This is mostly for parents who have not been able to buy a house yet and they're wondering if they ever will be able to. Welcome to the podcast, Freelancing Dads, where we discuss how to help dad transition from his employee job to a freelance career at home so he can increase his income and spend more time with his family. And if you're already a freelancing parent, we'll help you grow your business to the next level. For any society to thrive, a strong family unit must be at the core of its structure. And dad being at home, earning more, and working less is what makes this a reality. Join us to learn how to build your business and family when they're under the same roof. Many families over the last year and a half are stepping back in shock, realizing, wow, we'll never afford a house now. Uh, in some areas, housing has shot up 20, 30, even more percent in prices. And wages did not go up 30%. They went up maybe 3 to 4%. Um, mine did because I freelance. Mine actually went up 40% in 2021 compared to 2020. And 2020 was about 30% higher than 2019. So I've been able to keep up with insane inflation and the housing market because of being self-employed, but many families and parents have not. So we're going to talk about what is the process for being able to buy a house when you're self-employed? What hoops do you have to jump through? How do you have to prepare yourself financially? And how is it that you can afford a house in today's crazy market? So let's first discuss why it's easier to afford a house while being a freelancer. When you're freelancing, you have a lot more control over being able to raise your income at a much higher rate than when you're an employee. When you're an employee, maybe you can expect 3 to 4 maybe 5% of an increase of a, of a raise every year <laughs> um, if you're doing well and performing well. As a freelancer, you can raise your income much higher than that as long as you are increasing your skills and you're offering value to match a higher rate. You can keep increasing your income every month. And so that's the main reason why being a freelancer makes it easier to afford a house. Uh, my family and I are right now just renting a townhouse because we really believe that, you know, don't buy a house until you're fully ready to comfortably buy a house. A lot of people buy a house uh, when they can just barely afford it. Uh, but obviously, the last year and a half has really thrown us off in what our price point needs to be to get the house that we want. Um, but also, it took me much longer to get to this point where we're very close to actually being ready to buy a house uh, because I didn't know what it took being self-employed to actually be able to even qualify and I didn't realize that it just takes more time to have the history you need to be able to buy a house being self-employed. So I'm going to talk about the lessons I've learned and the hoops that you have to jump through and what finances you need to have in place in order to qualify when you're freelancing. What does it take to qualify for a mortgage when you're self-employed? First, you need to have at least two years 
of self-employment income to show that you're in it for the long haul. And that income needs to show an increase year after year. Um, it needs to at least show similar income. It doesn't have to show an increase, but if you want to get the best rates and if you want to be able to qualify for a higher priced house, if you're showing the lender that every year your income keeps increasing, that's going to give them a lot of confidence that your business is doing well and that you're going to keep doing well and you're going to keep increasing your income and you'll be able to afford the mortgage in the long run. Because if for some reason, lenders still haven't realized that freelancing is a legitimate uh, type of career and it's a legitimate way to earn money. And there are many freelancers that are earning very stable, very consistent, very high income, but they still see it as this thing that people do between jobs as this thing that is inconsistent and unreliable. And so they, they have a lot higher requirements for a freelancer than they do uh, somebody who has W-2 income. And uh, hopefully maybe one day this will change and they'll realize that uh, employee income is really not that secure at all. Because if that employee loses their job and more people are losing their jobs than ever before, and especially during the pandemic, we saw that happen, they lose all their income at once. Whereas as a freelancer, if you lose a few clients, you only lose a portion of your income and chances are you'll be able to keep paying your mortgage. You might have to cut back on other expenses during the a few weeks or a couple of months if you're hitting a downturn in your business, but it's very rare that you're going to lose all your income at once. You can all, when you're self-employed, you get into the mindset of always looking for ways to earn money and to never have a period of time where you have nothing coming in. And so hopefully one day, one day lenders will realize that, that freelancers actually have a much higher chance in continuing to pay their mortgage even during hard times, whereas an employee can't pay their mortgage at all when they lose all of their income. So I could have afforded a mortgage a couple of years ago, but... I couldn't qualify because I didn't have the history yet in my income. So that's one of the biggest things that has delayed me. And now I have three solid years of increasing income in my freelance business. And so, but it, it took time to get there. And so that's something that really throws uh, freelancers off when they're trying to qualify for a house. So chances are when you're self-employed, you're going to afford a house before you can qualify. Whereas an employee usually qualifies before they can actually afford it. Um, it's completely the opposite. The main thing about buying a house when you're self-employed is that you have to be willing to make freelancing your full-time career and you have to show a lender that you're serious about it. So what I didn't realize about how lenders calculate income when you're self-employed is that they don't just look at the last month and see what you earned. They look at the last two years, they take that total and then they, and then they divide it by 24 and that's your income. So your average monthly income over the last two years is what they actually decide is your income. So uh, for me, I earned a lot more in 2021 than I earned in 2020. So when you average both of those together, it actually pulls my income down from what it actually is right now. Now, a lender that I'm working with, they're more willing to look at just the previous year's tax return. So they still want to see the last two years. They, you still have to submit those. But as far as what income number they come up with, because we have a really good credit score and because I have a strong profit and loss statement, uh, meaning this is what I'm earning right now and this is what I've earned year to date in 2022, 
um, they're more willing to just look at the previous year to calculate my income. Um, not every lender is going to do that. You just have to shop around and find a lender that there are lenders that are more willing to work with people that are self-employed and, and, that, and that are more comfortable with it. And uh, so you do just have to shop around when it comes to that. And the other side of how they calculate your income is that they're not just looking at your business revenue. This is really, really important. If you have an LLC and your LLC earned 100000 that year, but personally you were only able to withdraw 80000 because 20000 went into business expenses, your income is the 80000 not the 100000 that your business earned. A lot of freelancers uh, go into it thinking, oh, but I earned this much. Yeah, but you also took all these deductions on your tax return and all these write-offs for various business expenses. You wrote off your home office, you wrote off the gas you spent in your car, and all these other things. And so this brings up a really major point when it comes to qualifying for a house when you're self-employed, that your desire to pay as little as possible in taxes will uh, hurt your ability to qualify for a more expensive house. They kind of compete with one another. So you need to consult with a CPA and you need to consult with a lender. But the trick is both of them are kind of in competition with one another because a CPA is trying to save you as much money as possible on your taxes and write off every last thing that you can legally write off. A lender is trying to squeeze every last dollar of income out of you that they can so that you can qualify for as, as high of a house as, as, as you're wanting. And those two things contradict one another. So uh, you may need to do some compromising, whereas you're talking with your CPA and your lender, there's a certain price point of a house you're wanting to be able to qualify for, but you may need to choose to not write off certain things that you have written off, which again means that it just takes time, right? Because you can't do that with last year's taxes. You'll have to just do it with this year's taxes. Um, but I would not put off consulting with a CPA and a lender so that you can figure out how to financially do your taxes this year so that next year you can be prepared to buy a house. Because yeah, I it was a year and a half ago when I first consulted with a CPA and a lender on this whole housing thing. And it's taken this long just to do things properly with my taxes so that I can be positioned to be able to buy a house. Now, I'm not a CPA or a lender, so don't take this video as a replacement for consulting a professional, all right? This is just to give you an overview of some of the main lessons I've learned, but you will still need to consult with a CPA and a lender because your financial situation is still gonna look different than mine as far as the actual numbers. So as I went back and forth between my CPA and a lender, I decided that it wasn't in my best interests to uh, just not write off certain things and pay more in taxes just to qualify for a more expensive house, uh, I realized that I'd still rather uh, pay as little as I possibly can in taxes, and I'd rather, and I'd rather put that extra money towards a bigger down payment. Um, that even though it meant I would qualify for a lower house, uh, I'd rather that go towards a bigger down payment and just have the patience to increase my income to the point where I can still afford the house I want even with all the write-offs. And so I know that uh, it will be worth it. Because the annoying thing is, is that uh, there are certain expenses that you're writing off being self-employed that an employee also has an, as an expense, but that doesn't get deducted from their income when a lender looks at an employee's income. And so that's what kind of makes it unfair, right? Is that, you know, 
I write off some of my utility bills and internet and and so because I, I under I understand that they're not going to include my business revenue before other expenses like oh, I bought a computer for my business or I'm paying for software every month to run my business. Yeah, those are expenses that an employee would not normally have. But the annoying part is that they also include the things you write off that are just living expenses that employees also have. Like, yeah, if you're writing off part of your rent or part of your mortgage, uh, home office, utilities, stuff like that, um, gas bills, then it starts to get frustrating that, oh man, uh, I, I can actually afford this more expensive house, but I'm not qualifying for it because of all the things I'm writing off. So anyways, it's just going to require patience. And I do suggest the way that I'm approaching it where you're still writing everything off, but you're just waiting a little longer until you can increase your income to more than compensate for that. And luckily with freelancing, you can do that. And the thing is, once we need a bigger house than what we're in right now, we will be able to afford it financially. That I have two kids right now and the townhouse that we're in supports our needs just right. My third kid is coming in a few weeks and we're gearing up for that. And that's going to start making it feel a little tight here. But luckily, we're closer than ever before in being able to achieve our housing goal. So once we can go through with that, we will we will be able to get it right when we need it. But we haven't really needed it up to this point, a bigger place than we've had so far. So we've discussed income. We've discussed what you need to do with your taxes and how that affects it and how they calculate income and uh, what kind of history you have to have. The other thing you need to work on is your credit score. Make sure you've been paying off your credit cards on time. Make sure you're keeping your balances low, that you're not paying any interest on them, that you're clearing them out every month. Um, What we had to do is we had to completely shut down our credit cards. Like we didn't close the accounts, but we took them out of our wallet and we stopped using them uh, because a couple of years ago we had gotten into masses of debt when I was, and you might've heard my story before of when I was first trying to freelance and just wasn't working out. Um, but we have a, we had a ton of credit card debt that we had to pay off, and our credit scores were uh, two years ago. Our credit score was in the upper six hundreds, and that makes it a lot harder to qualify for the kind of house that most young families want. Now it's over eight hundred, so it is possible to heal your credit score if it's hurt, but it takes time. It took us about two years of making all the right choices when it comes to how to use credit cards, how to pay it off, um, and of course, I had to raise my income. Uh, more than a normal employee would be able to do in order to also pay off our debts more quickly and raise our credit score more quickly. But we had to get serious about our budget. We had to stop overspending. We had to track every dollar. We had to set up a, a debit card specifically for our spending that was separate from where our bills were processing through. And we had to get really organized in order to get out of debt and heal our credit score. And now we're lucky that we did because having the better credit score is getting us a better interest rate when it comes to buying a house. And it's making it uh, more possible for a lender to qualify us being self-employed. Our credit score almost makes up for some of the concerns they have about me being self-employed. Now, I think credit scores are a big sham. I think it's ridiculous that you basically get rewarded for getting into debt. But the reality of it is it still matters right now. It matters if you're going to buy a house and you don't have cash to just buy a house outright. (laughs) So you need to work on getting that repaired. The last thing you need to work on is paying off debts 
And this is something that obviously will tie into healing your credit score and getting it um, much, much higher. But I'm going to talk about a different side of it. The more debt payments you have each month, the higher your debt to income ratio will be. Debt to income ratio is basically uh, your, it's a percentage of your debts divided by your monthly income. And most lenders want to see 43% or less in debt to income ratio. The lower that number is, the better interest rate you'll get. But that's usually the limit is right around 43%. So you need to be able to pay off your debts if you want to bring that down. So there's two things that you can do to essentially lower your debt to income ratio, raise your income or lower your debt payments. If you have credit card debt, obviously pay that off. But even car loans, student loans, all of that affects your debt to income ratio. And you really should be bringing it down into the low 30s to also be more comfortable when it comes to affording a house. But paying off debt has a much bigger impact as raising your income, which is something I didn't realize at first. I thought, oh, if I raise my income by $1,000, it'll have the exact same impact on my debt to income ratio as paying off $1,000 worth of debt per month would have on my debt to income ratio. That's not the case mathematically. I still don't understand. I'm not a math expert, but I know how to use a calculator. And uh, somehow the math works out where essentially paying off debt almost has twice as much of an impact on lowering your debt to income ratio that raising your income by that same amount does. So yes, keep raising your income, but know that paying off your debt so that you don't have a monthly payment on something anymore will have a far bigger impact on what you can qualify for. So if you have a car loan, think about trying to pay that off and then that'll drop it. Certain student loans so that that drops the monthly payment. And that also takes time. So as you realize, most of the things that you have to do as a freelancer to get ready to buy a house, it takes time and you have to be okay with that. That if you're just discovering all this for the first time, you may be two years out from being able to buy a house. But now that you know it, at least you have a very high chance in being able to buy a house in two years rather than two years from now you're realizing, oh wow, I'm not ready at all to buy a house. And then it's another couple years beyond that. Um, be okay. Again, one of the biggest lessons you have to learn with finding success in, in anything is being patient with the process. And that's something I've really had to learn when it comes to buying a house is being patient with the process, especially being self-employed and building up enough history of self-employment income and paying off debts, healing credit score, all of that. So to sum it up, my first roadblock was my income isn't as high as I thought it was because the lender only counted my income after all my write-offs. My second roadblock was needing to have two years of self-employment tax returns showing that I'm doing this full-time and I'm earning in an increasing amount of income as time goes on. And if you're balancing a full-time job and freelancing on the side, if you quit that job before you get a mortgage, you probably won't get the loan because you'll only have a small amount of freelance income to show for it. So in that situation, I'd recommend keeping, if you're closer to buying a house, you probably should keep your employee job buy the house, and then you can quit. <laughs> that way you have your employment income to uh, back up getting the house. Um, you don't want to quit your employee job right before trying to qualify for a mortgage or then it really won't work out. But for me, again, I was planning on building up a full-time self-employment career. So I just had to wait long enough to have the history of self-employment. Oh, and just know, I don't know if I made that clear before that if you're halfway through a year, um, a lender doesn't have to wait until a year finishes 
uh, to have the tax return. They'll also look at a profit and loss statement. So if you're in June and you're trying to buy a house, they'll look at, you know, let's say you're in June 2022, they'll look at 2021's tax returns, but they'll also look at what you've earned so far year to date, and they will rope that in to what they decide to qualify you for. They will consider that. Um, but you still have to have the tax returns previously. And just know as well that they'll likely ask for three months of bank statements um, right as you're trying to qualify for an actual mortgage. You know, when you're pre-qualifying, they won't ask for that. But when you're actually qualifying for the real mortgage, um, they're going to look at the last three months of bank statements. So when you're timing when to actually try to buy a house and get a mortgage, make sure that it's during a period of time when you're doing pretty well, because I know as a freelancer, sometimes you have some months that are a little lower and some that are a little higher. So if you're um, in a dip right now, then maybe wait a couple of months to bring that income back up before you go applying for a mortgage, because they're going to look at those bank statements and you want to back up. You it, it, you want to show that you have the higher income out of the year than the lower income, the way that you time all of that. So hopefully all this was helpful to you so that you can be on your way to preparing yourself to buy a house for your family, something that a lot of families are not able to do right now. Um, the way that the economy is, the way that the housing market has become ridiculous, it's made it very difficult. And most families are like, well, this sucks. I'll, I guess I can't buy a house for my family, something that most middle class families should be able to do. But now it's become more of a luxury. Literally, it has become a luxury to buy a house. And that is very sad. But just know that as a freelancing parent, there is hope that you can rise above uh, what's going on. It's almost an oppressive situation that most middle class families are being ousted out of the housing market. And you don't have to be that. You can, uh, you can still... Uh, beat this inflationary insanity by building up a freelance business and giving it your all and raising your income far beyond what you would be able to do as an employee. So with that said, uh, that's it for today's conversation. Again, please subscribe on the YouTube channel where you'll continue to get more content like this and be sure to uh, sign up for my newsletter at freelancingdads.com. You can get a free ebook there and you can also stay in touch with me there and by all means, shoot me an email anytime with questions that you have um, and let me know what topics you want me to be able to do more videos and more podcasts on that are most important to you, especially when you are a parent trying to build up a freelance business or trying to transition out of an employee job into freelancing. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.